from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 157 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague, Ryan Dunleavy. And Ryan, a new year, but much of the same for the Giants, both in terms of the outcome of their first week of the regular season and in a lot of ways, how the Giants got there and the question marks that still remain heading into week two. We're going to recap week one against Dallas, look ahead a little bit to week two against the Buffalo Bills in the home opener, but you just look at last year's team and the inability to pressure the quarterback, the inconsistency of the passing game, games where Saquon Barkley just disappeared, and it seems like all of those things came back to rear their ugly head against Dallas. Pat Shermer said that... 2019 could be a continuation of the end of 2018, the last eight weeks or so of 2018. Well, you know what it looked like? A continuation of the first eight weeks of 2018, like a step backwards to when they were getting blown out and the offense was struggling. It looked like the wrong part of 2018 carried over. Yeah, it really did. And of course, if you're tuning into this podcast, you're obviously a big fan of the Giants and we would love if you would log into the Apple Podcast Store and leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear. Let us know what you'd like to hear differently. And, of course, subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, uh, in iTunes. Give us a like on YouTube. Check us out on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, on Twitter, check out the show at TalkIsCheapNYG. Ryan is at RYDonLevy, and I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Uh, let's just pick up right there, Ryan. You talked about the continuation of the second half of last year. Um, the one positive that I took away from the game. There was a, a positive? Of, there are a lot of negatives to dive into, which we will do, believe me. The one positive is I think that the offensive line success at the end of last year carried over to week one. Even if the Giants didn't run the ball much, um, all five graded either 62 or above in run blocking, according to Pro Football Focus. Nate Solder uh, graded out with a 70.5, I believe it was. Which is actually pretty good, right? Yeah, like, like, relatively speaking. speaking, I think if you're not a Pro Football Focus guy, you hear 70, you think that's a D plus on my science test right. or whatever. That, that <laughs> actually, it, that's not bad. That's like a pretty average offensive line. Yeah, anything above 60 to 61 <laughs> is, is a pretty good day at the office for these guys, according to PFF. And you saw Saquon Barkley averaged 11 yards per carry. And even if you take away the 59-yard run, and I love people, lo- I know that people love to play that game of yeah. take away the biggest play and factor in how the player's doing. He still averaged 5.9 yards per carry on his other 10 carries. So obviously they didn't run the ball enough, but I think that if you're looking to build on something, and we're going to tear this team down in a lot of ways, but if you're looking to build on something, it's that he's not going to have to create all on his own, and the offensive line is probably about what everybody expected it to be after all of the changes over the offseason. Yeah, and I don't think they did a bad job in pass protection either. I mean, there were a couple hits. I, I remember Lawrence smacking Eli Manning in the face once, but... Most of the hits Eli took, I thought, were when they rolled him out of the pocket. And I don't, Shermer and I disagree there. I don't know that Eli Manning should be rolling out of the pocket. So I know he had some success with it last year, but if you have, 
you roll your quarterback out of the pocket for two reasons. One, if he's super mobile and can run, Eli can't. Right. Two, if you don't trust your offensive line like last year and you're trying to buy time. You trust this offensive line. Keep him in the freaking pocket. Yeah, and I think that that's where Eli Manning, you know, in a lot of ways during his career was at his best. It's when he had a yeah. clean pocket uh, to work with, and that you saw that again last week, that his passer rating uh, from a clean pocket was significantly higher than it was against mm-hmm. pressure, and that's going to be a lot different than the quarterback the Giants face in week two because Josh Allen is actually better and more productive against the blitz and against pressure than he is in a clean pocket. But last week against the Cowboys, uh, not the story for Manning. From the pocket, 107 was his passer rating under pressure, 50.7. So that just goes to show you the importance of the offensive line. They need to do their job, and it's not going to get easier on Sunday afternoon. But sticking with week one, Ryan, let's look at the passing offense and what didn't work. (laughs) Wait, the passing offense and what didn't work? In general, the offense. Third down, two of 12, not going to get it done there. Play Play calling. calling. Saquon Barkley went 12 minutes, I think, of game time uh, between the second and third quarters without a touch that's inexplicable that was inexplicable last year when you had Odell Beckham when he's your night when he's 85 percent of your offense that is yeah I mean he, he needs 25 30 we were talking about 400 touches yeah we were talking about 400 touches as this year for Saquon Buckley he got a 15 in the first game not enough yeah you're not going to get to 400 touches with 15 touches no. per game and especially when uh, I believe only eight of those 15 touches came after the second quarter yeah. or midway through the second and I don't want to hear that it was a blowout and you have to start passing because it was only 21 7 when it with a whole half of football remaining when they started to when he started to disappear they started to go away from him that's not a 14 point game with a half is remaining is not a blowout yeah no I agree and I think that we can hone in and everybody's picked out the two play calls uh, in the first quarter or the third quarter rather first uh, quarter, one one two play series in yep. the first quarter, one in the third quarter. Yeah, and, and the one that really, I think, jumps off the page and makes you really question um, the upside in terms of Pat Shermer as a play caller is the third and two, fourth and one sequence where you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, arguably the best running back in the league. You hand it to Eli Penny on a fullback dive, and then the, the second play on fourth and one, rather than just put the ball in Saquon Barkley's gut and not overthink it and let trust him to get that one yard which, by the way, is what you drafted him number two overall to do and passed on the Sam Darnolds and the Josh Allens and the other quarterbacks that were taken last year. Josh Allen, is uh, he had a chance to be a starter. He had a chance, according to Pat Shermer. Maybe. Had a chance chance to maybe be a starter in this league. But but that's why you drafted Saquon. And instead, the play that you alluded to, Ryan, you roll out Eli Manning on a naked bootleg. Um, I wrote about it and I tweeted that, you know, that's the one play where I think Daniel Jones makes a difference in that game because of his mobility. He probably beats uh, Jalen Smith to the yard marker. Um, But just talk about that, that series of events where you're down in scoring territory deep in the red zone and you come away with no points because because two terrible back-to-back play calls. It just doesn't make any sense, because if you remember, I think it might have been the same series. Pat Shermer went for it on, like, fourth and eight from, like, the 45-yard line. Like, an yeah. obvious punting situation. And he went for it on fourth and eight. Benny Fowler made a really nice sideline catch, dragged his foot. Uh, so Pat Shermer was being aggressive. He yeah. was being aggressive. And then he got inside the 10-yard line, and he stopped being aggressive. He went to Eli Petty. I mean, it didn't make any sense. Like, okay, you clearly are aware your defense is struggling. 
that's we need to score some points. We can't be punting and field goals. And then you're down there and you're playing for for six inches at a time. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and a lot of people and we're gonna do. Believe me, dissect every aspect of this defense that um, left a lot to be desired, which is putting it kindly against Dallas. Uh, But the one area where I think the offense could have helped the defense is putting together more sustained drives. Yeah, by running the ball. Exactly. Running the ball, you know, playing some sort of ball control offense, uh, you know, just converting third downs. If you run the ball effectively with Saquon (laughs) Barkley on first and second down, chances are you're staring down the pike at third and three most times, right? Here's what I don't understand, Matt. The Giants built this football team like it's 1995, okay? They invest in the offensive line, invest the number two pick in the running back, playing with a fullback when half the NFL doesn't even believe in a fullback yep. anymore. I happen to believe in one. I agree. You should have a fullback. I agree with that. But You're kind of a fullback guy. Yeah. I, 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 I could see you lining up in a Michael Estot, you know, type of role. Yeah, I have a flip phone. <laughs> I'm an old school guy. <laughs> but here – so anyway, my point being, you – built this team to be a power 1990s football team, and then you came out your first game and you played like 75% of your offense in three wide situations where... Where you traded away your best receiver over the offseason. You traded your best receiver over the offseason. Your strength is Ellison and Ingram in like heavy two tight end sets. Ellison and Ingram or one one of the other with Eli Penny. Some sort of two combination of two fullbacks, two tight end, uh, two fullbacks and tight ends. And then you ended up playing the game... In a like nineteen in a 2019 three wide set. Yeah. That's not what you built your team for. If you built your team for that, then you should have get rid of Eli Penny and get rid of Red Ellison and go get a real slot receiver to play. Which they tried to do with Golden Tate. Let's be fair about this. No, and then they he didn't try to do. No, they didn't really try. Golden Tate replaces Odell Beckham. If you want to play three wide, have Golden Tate throwing Shepard and Odell Beckham. <laughs> that, then you can play with three wide. You know what I mean? Like even if Golden Tate was healthy and everybody was healthy, if you turned injuries off, it would been like Corey Coleman in that set. That's, I mean, that's still not, I can make a case Red Ellison's better. Yeah. Put your best players on the field. You right. don't have enough talent to sit your best players. Your best lineup is probably Ingram, Ellison, Shepard, uh, Latimer, Latimer Barkley. Barkley. Put them on the field. Yep, there's your skill set. That's who should be out there. And you should go heavy for 85% of the snaps yeah. because that's what you were built to do. And especially if you're going to carry Eli Penny on the roster, I agree with that. Now, Let's turn the page to the defense because that's Are we going to spend every, a lot of time on the defense? That's what everybody's talking about. That's what you and I were talking about in Dallas. Uh, uh, that's what I was talking about in February. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. And you were ahead of the curve on this because just as Alec Ogletree came out uh, right before training camp and left us all scratching our heads suggesting that this could be a top 10 defense, you've been spot on with this. This could be a bottom three defense yeah. in the league. They can't generate pressure. They had the least amount of pressures in the NFL. That's despite blitzing more than six, oh, they were the seventh highest blitz percentage in the league. I didn't know this stat. on Sunday. ESPN.com, oh, wow. their Bills writer had that in the story uh, today. So they blitzed more wow. than all but six teams in the NFL generated zero pressures. That's jarring. The only three quarterback hits on Dak Prescott came when he was trying to scramble. Oh, they didn't man. hit him in a passing situation. I wish everybody could see the look him. on my face right now. The Joe, you just told me information. I didn't know. I'm jarred by that. Stat. I, I have to pick your jaw yeah. off oh the floor gosh. here. Oh my yeah, God. that's Ryan's jaw getting snapped into place. Yeah. So, so they, they blitzed right more next than to the most Cheerios teams. my kid dropped on the floor. <laughs> they, they, they blitzed more than most teams in the league and couldn't get home, and they couldn't cover. And what have you been saying? What did you say all last podcast? 
you there's two ways to play defense in the NFL. You ru- you 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 rush the passer with JPP and OC, or you play Which suffocating I tried to do and second, couldn't. or you play suffocating defense in the secondary. Which they couldn't do. Correct. They <laughs> so can't they do either. So, so the, again, we talk about your, and their linebackers can't cover tight ends. Couldn't cover you. <laughs> uh, we we talk about you know on offense putting your best players on the field and doing what you're built okay. to do. James Betcher is the defensive coordinator. During his time in Arizona, he had the second highest blitz percentage of any coordinator yeah. over that span. So they should be built to blitz, yeah. right? But last year, they generated only 30 sacks, the second fewest yeah. in the league. They blitzed on Sunday, couldn't get home. And this is all happening while Alec Ogletree is biting on a play-action fake yeah. to a running back not named Ezekiel Elliott that lands up with Blake Jarwin yeah. catching a touchdown right Four over his head. touchdowns. All against the Giants. All against the Giants. And we have Antoine Bethay at safety watching this happen. And there were a couple of times, I believe, on the Witten touchdown being one of them, where Bethay's not even in the frame, yeah, yeah. even though it's over the middle of the field. It's so tough. I- I'll ask you this, Ryan, with Josh Allen coming to town and based on what we saw with Dak Prescott having a perfect passer rating and you know passing for 178 yeah. yards against the Giants blitzes, how do they get better here? Look, I I don't know how they get better. Here's how they could win this game. Josh Allen isn't very accurate. That's the knock on him as a passer before the draft. It's the knock on him in the NFL now. He's got a big arm. He's mobile. He can beat you with his feet, which you don't expect. He's not tremendously accurate. So if his passes are, I think the the reason the Giants got off the field on Dak Prescott's first series before he you know started carving them up was there was a. Uh, drop or something on a third down in front of the sticks when the guy would have had room to run for a first down. They're going to need him to make mistakes, basically. That's what they're going to need. They're going to need Josh Allen to play to his weaknesses, and then I think they have a chance. If Josh Allen plays well, I don't, I don't think they can win the game. Yeah, and I wrote about this for Thursday morning, that when you look at Josh Allen, uh, he's actually much more efficient under pressure and against the blitz than he is from the pocket. Yeah. So uh, if the Giants are going to blitz him, which seems to be James Betcher's philosophy, this is probably not the week to do it. Let me ask you this, because I got asked this on Twitter quite a bit. Who's to blame for the defense right now? Is it Gettleman for not getting the right personnel? Is it Betcher for not adjusting his scheme to his talent, or is it the players? Uh, I think it comes down to Dave Gettleman because, and I wrote about this, I believe this is a very flawed team, top to bottom, but it's especially flawed on defense because you bring in a defensive coordinator who is a Blitzkrieg kind of guy, get after the quarterback, turn up the heat, blitz, 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 and you trade away Olivier Vernon, who's your best pass rusher, who is probably a rotational or high-end pass rusher on a lot of teams in the NFL, maybe not necessarily necessarily a three down pass rusher and over the offseason your big addition is a third round pick now O'Shane Zimenez might develop into a player but he's not a player who's going to be someone who can play 40 plus snaps per game and give you a constant pressure on the quarterback Um, to me you didn't do enough to to address that you look at the secondary you tried with DeAndre Baker and maybe he's going to be a player but he had a ball go over his head and it seemed like Dak Prescott was looking where Janoris Jenkins was and then looking over to see where he wasn't and throwing it at Baker or Antonio Hamilton, who somehow is high enough on the depth chart to get on the field. Because, oh, by the way, you didn't 
get enough help at cornerback, right? Your front three can't generate a front three push, which we talked about going into the game as a big concern. So, yeah, I, I mean, and from my perspective, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I think it's on Gettleman that if you hired this particular coordinator, you need to give him the caliber of players to run his scheme, and they're just efficient at almost every level. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think he's mostly to blame. He sat in front of us on January 2nd and said the number one priority would be getting defensive playmakers, and he didn't do it. And two years ago, he sat in front of us and said he was going to fix the offensive line. Well, he struck out his first time fixing the offensive line. It took him till year two. Now we think he's fixed it. So now if you work with that same timeline, he said he would get defensive playmakers for this year probably going to strike out and probably have to get them next year when they have 60-something million dollars of cap space. Right. Probably get you some defensive playmakers then. But when most of the league, they're like 15th in yeah. cap space at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. They'll be able to get a player to, like they sure. should have done this year with, I a, agree. with a Preston... Uh, Preston, uh, Zedaria Smith or Preston uh, Smith, yeah. one of those so big-time rushers. The Packers. Yep. Um, I'll say this. People who are killing James Betcher... It's not his schemes because when he had Tyron Matthew, Patrick honey, Peterson, Patrick Peterson, and Chandler Jones, he did pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe it's Gettleman, maybe it's the players. Look, but who is, picks the players? Correct. It maybe it's week one, and maybe these guys are all going to be pretty good, and that was just a case of jitters. But I'd be very worried about this, Matt. It's one, week one, right? I know we'll take everything with a grain of salt. It's week one. Everything the media has said pretty much has come true, right? Like, yeah. And the number one thing that we asked when they picked Dexter Lawrence was – this guy you just picked over Montez Sweat and oh, you have this huge hole at pass rusher and you just picked Dexter Lawrence who's basically Snacks who you traded away for a fifth round pick. So you traded you away an all, pro, an all pro yeah. for a fifth round pick and then used a first round pick on a less proven version of the a same guy. A top 20 pick. Pick yeah. 17 in the draft. Yeah. On the same guy, when you have a huge hole of pass rusher. Oh, no, Dexter Lawrence is a pass rusher. He's a three-down player. He's not a two-down player. Rome wasn't don't built be, in the day, don't sweetheart. Be, don't be fooled by uh, – Don't. I'm not just talking about Gettleman. Shermer, too, yeah. said this. Betcher said this. Yeah. Um, don't be fooled by his size. He can rush the passer while well, he played 28 defensive snaps, so he's a two-down player. So, which is what we thought he would be. Which is what I thought he would be. So you you don't have a pass rusher because now you're taking him out and you're putting in more linebackers, and you just lost a linebacker. Kareem Martin is on IR. So I again, you left yourself too short-handed. You just you did it again. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think that at every level there are question marks, and we've talked about this leading up to the game. We talked about this in terms of building the defense. I did a who's who. I did a who's on first of the Giants defense before the game. I, I did a because there were so many question marks that it reminded me of the famous like who's on first, yep. what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what the Giants defense is to me. It's like could be at linebacker. What if at safety? Maybe. Well, maybe at maybe at defensive tackle. That's what the whole thing is. Yeah, and and I think that we talked about this during one of the many training camp previews that was lost into space. You think we're smart enough to pull off a who's front first? Are we funny enough to do that? I'd have to practice because I'm I'm not naturally funny. no chance for that. We'd have to rehearse it a few times. A few times. No chance. Those guys, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Oh, it really is. But we talked about this on one of the many podcasts that is lost into the the ethosphere of of lost audio. Yeah. 
you know, this is a bridge year for the defense. And you counted on your offense being what was going to keep you in games and keep you competitive. Uh, and I think we saw that and what it's going to look like this year. I mean, you're going to have to win games 41 to 35. Correct. Because this team isn't getting off the field defensively. Uh, too many question marks, every level linebacker, pass rusher, defensive lineman, secondary. Oh, and by the way. And maybe in two years they'll be pretty good. Yeah. Yes, no, I agree with that. I think then should you have a chance? They built for the future. Correct. Just say you built for the future. I don't. Why can't anybody admit that it's a rebuilding time? Because they're trying to build yeah. an offense that can quote unquote win now yeah. without Sterling with Shepard. Without Sterling Shepard, with a defense that you're building a bridge yeah. for 2021 and 2022. Tate. Yeah, I, I, so you, we, <laughs> you're gonna play this game without Shepard, without Tate. Without Odell, I mean, the Bills are just going to feast on Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. That's what's going to happen. If for the Giants to have any chance to win this game, we should flip this forward anyway. For the Giants to have any chance to win this game, Russell Shepard or Benny Fowler or Cody Latimer is going to have to have a monster game. Yeah. I'm not talking about three for 50 and a touchdown. I'm talking about six for 100 right. and a touchdown. Right. I'm talking about somebody Eight who's, for 120 yeah, and a score. I'm talking, about, yeah. I'm talking about somebody having basically the best game of their NFL career. Well, Saquon Barkley is going to have to have 220-plus all-purpose. Yards and, and he did it a couple times yeah. last year. I mean, you look at the Philly yeah. game; it obviously wasn't enough. I think he was over uh, two hundred in that game. Then. Odell was on the field that day. Uh, the Redskin game; I think he busted out for two twenty-five yeah. or more in that game with yeah. a couple Mark touchdowns. Sanchez was on the field that day, <laughs> and so was Josh Johnson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and Josh Allen's, you know, way better than both of those guys. But that's what it's going to be. Ingram is going to have to have triple digits and and double digit targets. Yeah. Barkley's going to have to be the focal point that everybody had promised that he was going to be. Um, and, and I don't even know if that's going to be enough because if you watch that game and the Bills' defense, that's a very violent, yeah. stifling, strangling defense. And you saw what they did to Sam Darnold and the Jets mm-hmm. in the second half. I don't see why it would be much different against the Giants on Sunday. Let me ask you a question. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones or we're probably going to play this game a lot this season. This could be a feature. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones or Ed Oliver and Josh Allen. <sighs> Giants passed them both guys. Both, both of them, yeah. <sighs> See, I think, well, obviously, you know how I feel about Saquon Barkley, and I, I have high hopes for Daniel Jones. I, I think mean, I would take Barkley and Jones. I, I do, too, because I think that overall, Jones's ceiling might be yeah. higher than, than Josh Allen's. Josh Allen is obviously better now and going to get better over the next year or two. Uh, and at, at Oliver, I tweeted it the other day, and I wrote about it in the spring. He was my number one defensive player. I thought he was a perfect fit for this team. And can you imagine if they were able to come away with Ed Oliver at six, trade up? I don't even care. At this point, when you look at the rest of the draft class, I'll throw a hypothetical at you. Bring it. If you take... DeAndre Baker out of this draft class, if you take O'Shane Zimenez out of this draft class, if you take a fifth round pick out of this draft class, or, you know, pick whichever one you want, those three players and a 2020 number two pick, if you could have Ed Oliver and Daniel Jones, would you make that trade? So Ed Oliver and Daniel Jones are your two picks, and you trade away your second-round pick, which wound up being DeAndre Baker. Okay. You t- trade away O'Shane Zimenez, so who you take in the and third, third, and your fifth, and, and your fifth round Connelly. pick. Connelly. So, yeah, and... And then I still keep my 17 pick, so I get Dexter I, I Lawrence, would, too? And, uh, you don't get Dexter Lawrence. But you get 17 because you're taking it Oliver. You don't get Dexter right. So you get Montez Sweat. Right. Yes, I would make that trade. Yeah, and, and I think that the Giants were trying to move up. Yeah. But I would have given three, four picks to move up with the yeah. Jaguars at seven to come away with both of those guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, they passed on two guys named Josh Allen. Josh Allen of the Bills and Josh Allen of the Jaguars. <laughs> and they didn't want either Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, the quarterback, had some interesting things to say, Matt. Uh, we had him on a teleconference. Nice enough kid to do the opposing media teleconference, which not every quarterback would do. Yeah. Um, and he had some interesting things to say about his value of playing as a rookie, which, you know, whether he knew it or not, was saying the Giants should be playing Daniel Jones yep. because he um, knows Jones. He knows – he said really – Met him confi- at the Super Bowl. Met him they at the Super the Bowl. same agent. Really confident in what he's going to end up becoming for the Giants. Um, and he was saying for his own development that being th- baptized by fire last year really helped him because exactly what sports writers say all the time. It got his jitters out. It made him make his mistakes. Now he's seeing everything for the second and third time. So he knows, oh, last time I made this mistake. And he did it in a lost season for the yeah. Bills. And now all of a sudden the Bills who came in with low expectations beat the Jets who came in with high expectations. And maybe it's because Allen is in his second year with McDermott and Sam Darnold's starting over with Sam Gay. With, uh, with Adam, Adam Gase. Gase. And you look at the Bills, they bring in Devin Singletary. Only had four carries, but he was, I believe, a third-round pick out of Iowa State. Uh, really violent runner. Uh, averaged 17.5 yards per carry against the Jets. They brought in John Brown, gave him to, to Josh Allen, and I liked him a lot coming out of Pittsburgh State. I thought he had the chance to be someone who could really take the cover off a of defense. He had a big game in the opener. I think he caught a touchdown against uh, New York when he was here on Sunday. So uh, you give Allen a year of experience. You give him a couple of weapons. You give him a second year with the same head coach. And uh, obviously, you're seeing some of those dividends start to be paid. You can only hope, if you're a Giants fan, that at some point, Daniel Jones gets on the field this year. And the weapons he has, I think everybody would take his supporting cast over Josh Allen's supporting cast with Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Sterling Shepard. Give him a year or, yeah. or, or 10 games yeah. or 15 games oh, or yeah. 14 games with these guys. Yeah. And I think next year you could be talking about the Giants being in the mix for at least a wild card. You ready for the Daniel Jones uh, mania on talk radio and newspapers and locker room if the Giants lose this game? I've been born ready. Right? I mean, I mean, remember, I'm the guy who, in July, I'm in Disneyland with my wife and daughter, and I get the email from Robert Klemko. Hey, you know, I'm surveying my favorite beat writers about who drafted rookie quarterbacks when they're going to play. Can you give me yeah. 100 words on when Jones will start? Sure, let's go yeah. with week seven against Arizona. Easy landing spot yeah, at yeah. home. Secondary half by week after the Patriot game. And I'm, I'm Wrote it on that. Monday morning quarterback. And when, when did I adjust it to? Week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I was back then. I was saying week 15, and I only came up to week seven where you were. Yeah, um, I think it's going to start if they lose. Some prediction. Uh, I have the the Bills winning this game yeah. um, because I don't think the Giants' offense is going to be able to pressure Allen. Not going to be able to create turnovers, and I, I'm I'm not sold on this Giants' offense yeah. scoring points. Not not with what I saw yeah. in Dallas when you couldn't move the the ball yeah. on third down. I, I have the Bills in this one. I think the the score I gave you was. 31-24. Yeah, I have the Giants winning 21-20, though if Sterling Shepard doesn't play, I'm a little, I might have to revise that. Right now, I have 21-20 Giants. Uh, 
I can't believe they're a home underdog to the Bills. Two and a half points, so almost a field goal, which means in reality Vegas views them as five and a half point oh, yeah, dogs because usually it's a three-point uh, spread. A couple quick questions surveyed Twitter to get some questions for the end of the podcast here. Rapid fire. We just answered the first one from our good friend Evan Silva, at Elvin, Evan Silva. Uh, when are we going to see Danny Dimes? I say week three. You say? Seven. Week seven. Uh, at... 27, his name is Will, said, how many players on defense would you say are in the top 10 in the league at their position? Zero. Zero. Because yeah. I think Janoris Jenkins is probably, probably about just 12. 12 to 15, somewhere yeah. in that range. Nobody along the defensive line and none of the linebackers. And not Peppers. Not Peppers. And and, and certainly not what we saw out of DeAndre Baker. No. Uh, the final question was, that was submitted here. Uh, let me try to pull him up. I'd like to give the handle, um, but it's not showing up. What are the defensive changes that we see on Sunday? Corey Ballantyne, maybe. Ryan Connolly. Anyone else? No, I don't think it'll be personnel changes. I think it'll be schematic changes. Maybe they blitz less, drop more guys in coverage, especially if Allen's going to get out of the pocket. I don't think it's too early, I think, to see any kind of dramatic personnel changes after we you it's very rarely you see something like eric flowers benched and cut after two games i think they're gonna stick with what they you know stick with what they decided based on nine months of research and otas and whatnot oh and two the giants start oh and two a lot it's devastating to start oh and two in the nfl yeah, very difficult to come back to make the postseason i don't think either one of us viewed Biggest, this as a playoff team but no. it's basically impossible to come back from oh and two yeah i mean and 2007 giants fans right now are thinking we won the super bowl in 2007 we started oh two michael Stray and Justin Tuck, OCU, and you aren't walking through that door. No, they're not. Uh, I think the change that I think you're going to start to see is you're going to see a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of Ryan Connolly because okay. I, I looked at, at Alex well, let's be, and coverage. Let's be serious. You're, it's not going to change It's a fifth-round pick. Yeah, you're, he's not going to change it. He might be – He might play well, yeah. but he's not going to change the outcome of a football game. No, one guy, even if he's an upgrade in coverage yeah. against a tight end or a running back, is not going to magically no. fix that defense. And Pat Shermer hinted at uh, personnel changes in the secondary. The only less thing Hamilton. that you might do is less Hamilton, more Baker, and maybe instead of Ballantyne, excuse me, maybe it's Ballantyne instead of Hamilton maybe in some, that rotation. Maybe some Julian Love who got zero snaps uh, in that game. But. Yeah. Less Hamilton, but again, I don't know that that's a cure-all for anything. Yeah, any final thoughts before we get out the door? No, I mean, just, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, so. no, I agree. Thank you, uh, Dennis Green. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, the Giants are the ones who are going to have to let themselves off the hook, and I don't know that that happens this week. Yeah, uh, it's a very big, very big week. It's as early a big a week two game as you could possibly have. He's Ryan Dunleavy at RY Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo at Matt Lombardo NFL on Twitter. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you subscribing. Thanks for the questions, and we'll talk to you next week when we preview week three against Tampa Bay and recap whatever happens in the home opener. Opener week two Sunday afternoon against the Buffalo Bills.